0: Uh, During January, we're having a book club and uh, during the holiday period, we have been looking at some books, are looking at some books that have been significant for us. And this morning, we're going to be going through the story of one person's dramatic journey to something that is absolutely central to us in our Christian faith. So to start with um, just two questions, the first one's one of the simple yes or no answers. Is every person's story important to God? Is every person's story important to God? And the second question, why can it be difficult for us as humans sometimes to forgive people? (laughs) Any suggestions? Why can it be, just as human beings, why can it be difficult for us sometimes to forgive people? Any (laughs) suggestions? Pride? Yeah. Anger? Anger? Hurt? We don't understand what forgiveness is. We think we need to say it's okay when it's not. Yep, one more. Guard to protect yourself. Guard to protect yourself. Every now and then, a child arrives in the world who appears to be unstoppable and untamable. Have anyone ever noticed that? <laughs> <laughs> For Italian migrants to America, Anthony and Louise Zamperini, in 1917, it all started with the birth of their second son, 11 and a half pound Louis. The mayhem had begun. (coughs) From the moment that Louis could walk, he was racing and bumping and hurdling and escaping. When Louis was two years old, he climbed out his bedroom window. Uh, He descended one story and went on a naked tear down the street uh, with policemen chasing him and a crowd in amazement watching. Because of Louis's pneumonia, from, um, the family moved from New York to California because it was warmer, um, he ran the length of the train and jumped off the back of the train. The train backed up trying to find him and the family spied him casually ambling along the tracks towards them. <laughs> Upon arrival in California, Louis commenced uh, what Lo- Laura Helenbrand uh, describes as a one-boy insurgency. It didn't help that he was subject to bullying because he was Italian and he was different. And so in reaction, Louis grew in determination and resourcefulness. Um, He regularly secretly stole things and hid them in caches around the town. Uh, Regularly he stole from a metal dealer and the next morning took the things back and sold them back to him. (laughs) At least two people threatened to shoot him. Uh, He woke up the whole town one night when he uh, scaled the uh, steeple of the Baptist church and then played the bells using piano wire. The police visited regularly, Uh, Louis feigned toughness, but inside of himself he was tormented. But then came a great opportunity. At high school, Louis broke into the school gymnasium and started black market ticketing, selling the tickets that he stole. (laughs) When Louis got hold before the principal, things looked grim. Until Louis's brother Pete convinced the principal the what he needed was a positive outlet to all this energy. <laughs> and so Louis found himself in the high school track and field team, athletics team. At the time, athletics in America was like a big, big deal. In his first race, Louis came last, but he wasn't fussed. And then he realized that if he was successful, he'd attract the girls. So Louis started running and running and running. In the mile race, Louis soon ran out, ran out of high school uh, competitors, so could even come close to him. He broke the US high school mile record, and then he started thrashing college runners while still at high school. His mania for stealing uh, hadn't transformed into a mania for running. From town villain, Louis was becoming a local superstar. Nothing was going to stop him. And so although only a teenager, he set his sights on the 5,000 metres in the 1936 Berlin Olympic Games. In only his fourth attempt at the race, Louis won the 5,000 metres at the US Olympic trials. He became the youngest distance runner ever to make the US Olympic team. It was not as though he had lost all of his old habits. On the voyage to Germany, it was said that nothing on the, the ship that was either edible or not bolted down was safe from being <laughs> scavenged. <laughs> in Berlin, he only just survived big trouble when he snatched a Nazi flag from the Chancellery. In the 5,000 metres race, Louis was way less experienced than all the other runners. But Louis's race was memorable. He didn't win, but from the way back in the field, he streeted almost all of the field in a sizzling final lap. It was a record time. He now was internationally famous. Even Adolf Hitler wanted to meet him. For Louis, he now set his sights on winning at the 1940 Tokyo Olympic Games. It was now working out so well for him, except for world events. So who can tell us what happened in the years following the Berlin Olympics? Who can tell us? World War II. Immediately after the Olympics, the anti-Jewish signs were placed back up again in Berlin. People had marvelled at the wonder of the Berlin uh, Olympic village. The man who designed it, a high-ranking German officer, committed suicide. He was Jewish. Jewish prisoners were being taken to a concentration camp just 20 miles from the Olympic stadium. For Louis, he was getting faster and faster. In mile races, he was closing in on the world record. And people were saying he'd be the first person to break the fabled four minute mile barrier. And then Germany invaded Poland. The world was at war. Tokyo Olympics were cancelled, and Louis was devastated. He'd lost his newfound purpose for living. So, what could possibly happen next for Louis? The year is now 1941, um, and Louis is struggling. He's been working on a movie set and then he's drafted into the US Naval Air Force. Uh, Louis is trained as a bombardier. And then the unthinkable happens. On a peaceful, fine Sunday morning, Pearl Harbor is attacked and devastated by Japanese bombers. They're the same planes, incidentally, that then go on later to, to fly and bomb Darwin. America, including Louis, is now at war. For Louis, he's now running, drinking, and flying. Got that? Running, drinking and flying. He's flying bombers. It's a very dangerous profession. Uh, The rates were you had about a 50% chance of actually surviving the allocated number of missions as a a bombardier. Fear was always near. Um, On one mission, uh, Louis' plane limps back to base with one crew member lost and 594 holes in it. On another occasion, the island where Louis is based is bombed almost to oblivion, but he survives. Louis spends his spare time running around Hawaii and Louis discovers the fake decoy airfields and fake airplanes that had been made out of cardboard and all kind of stuff to fool the enemy while the the real ones had been camouflaged. By 1943, Louis now is super fit. Uh, He runs a mile in four minutes, 12 seconds on sand. It will be another decade before the official four-minute four minute barrier is broken by Roger Bannister. And then the news comes through that a bomber has gone missing over the ocean on its way to Australia. And Louis' crew is mobilised to search for it. The good news is that the captain of the flight is uh, Louis' best friend, Phil. The bad news is that the bomber they're taking has a history of breaking down. Louis is worried. Louis' plane lumbers off, but then far, far out over Hawaii, over the ocean, disaster strikes. The engines fail on Louis' plane. The plane crashes into the ocean. Louis tries to free himself, but he finds himself ensnared by wires. Louis is trapped as the plane is sinking deeper and deeper. He loses consciousness. But then he awakes to find that the wires are gone. He finds an open door. He pulls the cord on his life vest and it shoots him to the surface. Somehow, something has saved him. I wonder if any of us have ever been saved from something. Do you give thanks for the times you might have been saved from something? Of the 11 men on the plane, three survive, Louis, his friend Phil, and one other. And so begin for these three men an epic quest for survival. All they have to survive with are two six-foot-long rubber inflatable rafts, two feet wide, uh, a pump, a patching kit, and a few other small items. And So the resourcefulness and determination that Louis has learnt as a thief now gets put into practice as he fights for survival. The men collect rainwater and catch small fish. They capture two small sharks. They actually grab two small sharks and bring them into the raft. After 27 days on the raft, the three men are repeatedly strafed by a Japanese bomber. They dive under the rafts amongst the sharks to avoid being the bullets. From the strafing, one raft is destroyed and the surviving raft is submerged. Frantically, Louis patches the raft while the other men fight off the shark with their, their oars. Who'd like to be there? The men pump all night until finally the patches on the surviving raft um, hold. The third crew member tragically dies, leaving Louis and Phil. Two albatrosses land on the raft over time and they capture them and they use them. To counter the very real risk of insanity, because people go insane in these situations, Louis and Phil start an ongoing non-stop quiz competition between them. They're continually pumping each other with questions. And they also um, go into minute detail about all the meals that they're not eating. It's a reminder for us, all of us, of the critical importance of friendship. Because sometimes you need friends to survive. Megan spoke last week about joy. At one point in the raft, everything becomes still around the two men. Phil and Louis have reached the famous doldrums of the, near the equator. Louis becomes overwhelmed by the joy and the wonder and the beauty of the sky and the sea and the sea life that surrounds them. It's now that Louis starts praying for survival. He doesn't know how to pray, so he recites snippets of prayers that he's seen in movies. <laughs> Phil's father is a pastor. Phil has faith. And so Phil and Louis each evening share prayers on the raft. And then Louis promises God that if God saves him, Louis will devote his life in service to God. On the raft, Louis and Phil are losing their hunger. They've lost almost half their weight in the final stages of starvation. And then in the distance, they see some islands. In their raft, Louis and Phil have drifted 3,000 kilometres the typhoon hits, they hang on for their lives. The known record for some, someone surviving on an inflatable raft, known record, was 24 days. Through Louis's determination and resourcefulness and through Phil's faith, Louis and Phil have now survived for 46 days. Almost double the record. Every person's story is important to God. <laughs> Ours mightn't be quite so dramatic, but every person's story is important. So after all that Louis and Phil have been through, surely now they'll get some respite. Who reckons life becomes easy for them now? Guess what? It gets worse. Phil and Louis are intercepted by the Japanese. and At, fir- at first they're treated well. But they're transferred to two Japanese interrogation camps. The purpose of the camps is for the prisoners to be broken, both psychologically and physically. And the guards of the camps prove to each other how tough they are through their cruelty and their brutality and their humiliation, degradation of the prisoners. The purpose is to break the spirit of the prisoners, the POWs. In Laura Brown's words, dignity is as essential to us and to human life as water, food and oxygen. We need to know who we are. It's our identity and worth that God wants us to know through our faith in Jesus. In the camps, there's one Japanese guard whose kindness becomes life saving for Phil and uh, Louis. The guard has become a Christian through some Canadian uh, missionaries. Finally, Louis cracks, and Louis tells the Japanese all about the American planes and the airfields in Hawaii, except for one little detail. He tells them all about the fake airfields and airplanes in Hawaii. In 1944, Louis has moved to a prison camp in Tokyo Bay. He want, he's wondering why he hasn't been killed. The Japanese have been keeping this famous American for propaganda purposes. It's now that Louis meets the man who will torture Louis' soul. Mutsuhiro Watanabe uh, is a man who comes from a privileged background. However, in a society that just treasures above everything else status and identity, Watanabe has experienced the disgrace of rejection of being not raised up as an officer. He's a corporal. So, in the prisoner of war camp, to unleash all of his pent up anger and fury, it's a perfect place to do it on defenseless POWs. The prisoners at the camp nicknamed him the Bird. The Bird has variously been described as erratic, violent, an irrational psychopath given to humiliation and emotional torture. When the bird discovers that he has the famous Olympian Louis Zapparini in his clutches, it's the opportunity to focus his greatest fury. For day after day, the bird takes sadistic pleasure in singling Louis out. Louis remembered uh, being bullied as a child. And so now Louis refuses to show deference. And so, in response, for day after day, the bird beats and humiliates him. American planes are now bombing Tokyo. It only makes the bird's manic behaviour worse. At night, Louis is tormented by terrible dreams of the bird coming at him. Within himself, Louis is faltering. He doesn't know what he's going to do. Until at the end of 1944, the bird is transferred. Whew. Conditions at the camp improve. For Louis, he finally has some respite from the bird's torture. And then Louis is transferred to a snowbound steel mill. On the west coast of Japan. It's a freezing place. Deep of snow. Camp contains 300 camp prisoners, mostly Australians. And the Japanese soldier in charge of the camp is. It's the darkest moment in Louis's life. So the bird falls deeper into madness. On one occasion, Louis is knocked over by a guard damaging Louis's knee and ankle. On another occasion, the bird makes Louis hold a six-foot beam above his head. Louis' one thought is he cannot crack me. Louis holds the beam, you know the title Unbroken. Louis holds the beam above his head for 37 minutes. Ge- Enraged, the bird attacks him. For Louis, he is still sustained by one great hope. Louis still dreams of running again in the Olympics. 60 Australians die in the prison camp. And then come the atomic bombs in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The end of the war is near. The Japanese have orders that if they're defeated, they are to kill all prisoners. The prisoners live in fear. And then a plane swoops in low over the camp. It's American. The prisoners are free. Louis returns to California. He marries a beautiful woman named Cynthia. He regains his strength, he starts running. Louis is dreaming of the upcoming London Olympics. Until Louis tries to run too hard, Louis's wartime injuries reappear and Louis is told he will never run in the Olympics. He's devastated. He turns to alcohol, he falls to pieces. Night after night, he dreams of the bird attacking him. Driven by bitterness and terrible dreams, Louis feels disgraced and infuriated. Like many returning POWs, Louis is afflicted by a menacing blackness with suffocating bouts of anxiety. He feels dehumanised. He forbids Cynthia from going to church and he's left with only one great terrible ambition. He's going to find some money, he's going to go back to Japan and he's going to hunt down and kill the bird. So what follows for Louis is a series of failed Schemes to raise money to go back to Japan to get revenge on the bird. So what happens?
1: We'll find out in a few minutes. (laughs) Thanks, Anton. Okay, the reading is from Matthew. Uh, Chapter 18, uh, verses 21 to 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process... One of his debtors was brought in, who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned, to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, He went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart.
0: Now four years since the end of the war and for Louis's wife Cynthia she's beyond her tether because of Louis's anger and alcoholism for Cynthia their marriage is over Cynthia has come back to Louis just long enough to get a divorce at that time in Los Angeles a young preacher named Billy Graham starts a series of meetings in a circus tent people start taking notice and Cynthia goes When Cynthia comes home from the Billy Graham meeting, she tells Louis she won't be divorcing him. Cynthia tells Louis that she's had a religious awakening. For Louis, he's appalled. He's appalled. Cynthia and her neighbour keep badgering Louis to hear Billy Graham. Eventually, Louis grudgingly gives in. As long as he can sit at the back and leave, as soon as Billy Graham finishes speaking... Some of us may have had that kind of attitude ourselves sometimes. At the meeting, Billy Graham speaks about how God knows everything we've done, both the good and the bad. Louis becomes indignant. I'm a good man, he thinks. But even as he has a thought, Louis feels the lie in it. He knows what he has become. Billy Graham says, here tonight there's a drowning man lost in the sea of life. For Louis, it's all too real. Louis bolts from the tent. That night, Louis feels again the blows of the bird. But now on the bird's body is the face of the devil. On the face. The next morning, Cynthia tries to coax Louis to hear Billy Graham again. And Louis finally agrees. As long as when Billy Graham says, every head bowed and every eye closed, they're leaving. <laughs> they're gone. <laughs> you know, that prayer stuff, we're gone. <laughs> That night, Billy Graham speaks of how the world is in an age of war, an age defined by persecution and suffering. And Graham asks, is God silent when good people suffer? And then Graham speaks of how God is evident through the wonder of creation. Louis remembers the wonder he experienced in the beauty of the doldrums. Billy Graham speaks of how even in the midst of suffering, God gives people grace to go forward. In so many ways, it's Louis' story. Louis feels cornered. (laughs) He stands and bolts for the exit. And Billy Graham says, nobody leaving. (laughs) He says, you can leave while I'm preaching, but not now. (laughs) Every head bowed, every eye closed. And as Louis reaches the aisle, he stops. It's then that Louis realises it. He's back on the raft. Louis remembers his promise to God, which is forgotten until this instant. If you will save me, I will serve you forever. For Louis, it's the last flashback of the war that Louis will ever have. Spiritually, Louis has finished running. If you will, Louis commits his life to Christ. And so as they go home, Cynthia, Cynthia is just watching him like an eagle, see what will happen. And when they enter the apartment, Louis, as usual, goes straight to the cache of liquor. But instead of drinking it, he pours a lot of it down down the sink. A whole lot. Louis heaves his secret stash of girly magazines down the trash chute. In the words of Laura Hillenbrand, in the morning he woke feeling cleansed. For the first time in five years, the bird hadn't come into his dreams. The bird would never come again. Louis dug out the Bible that he'd been issued to him years before he started reading it. He found profound peace. When he thought of his history that resonated with him now was not all that he had suffered, but the divine love that he believed had intervened to save him. He was not the worthless, broken, forsaken man that the bird had striven to make of him. In a single silent moment, his rage, his fear... His humiliation and helplessness had fallen away. That morning, he believed he was a new creation. and Softly, he wept. If we had time this morning, we could talk on and on about what Louis went on to do and to achieve. Of Louis' forgiveness of the men who had persecuted him. Of Louis' life with Cynthia together. Of Louis' many, many awards and honours. Of Louis's work in his local church, of Louis traveling across America and the world, telling his story as a speaker for Jesus, of Louis's creation of the Victory Boys Camp for troubled youth, of kids who just needed someone to get out in the wild and listen, just like his own wildlife. In 1950, Louis returned to Japan, no longer to murder the bird but to address the Japanese prison guards who abused him and who now were in prison themselves. And When Louis saw the guards, he rushed towards them with his hands extended, with a radiant smile on his face. In his 60s, Louis went climbing every week. He ran the mile in under six minutes in his 60s. In his 70s, Louis took up skateboarding. At 85, Louis went back to Japan searching for what happened to a group of lost marines. In his 90s, he was skiing and chainsawing high on a tree. Louis remained infectiously, incorrigibly cheerful. He had lost all anger. At 91, a dolly wheel um, under a concrete he was moving broke. The dolly wheel broke. He hurt himself. As soon as he was out of hospital, he went on a three-mile hike. 91 years old. Louis proudly carried the torch at five Olympics, including in Japan, adjacent to the site of the prison where he had suffered so severely. And for the bird? After the war, Japanese detectives concluded a widespread manhunt. uh, Looking for the bird, Uh, they couldn't trace him at the time. It was widely assumed that he had died. He actually didn't. He actually owned a, a unit on the Gold Coast. Until 50 years after the war, an American reporter tracked him down. At first he agreed to meet Louis, but then he reneged. So Louis wrote to the bird expressing his forgiveness. It's unknown if the bird ever received the letter, but what is known is Louis' genuine Christ-given compassion for him. So getting back to the incredibly significant issue of forgiveness, a message for us as we start this year Can I offer one to you? I guess we'd all agree that forgiveness is absolutely central to our walk with Jesus. And yet as human beings, forgiveness doesn't always come easy. It can be a journey. But for me, I believe that true, deep forgiveness always starts with us knowing that we are loved and forgiven by God ourselves. True forgiveness always starts with us knowing that we are loved and forgiven by God ourselves. It's why Jesus came and died for us. From our reading this morning, just ask people like Simon Peter, just ask Louis and Cynthia Zamperini. Can we pray together? Lord, we praise you that every person's story is important to you, including ours. Lord, we praise you that Jesus came and died for us, that we can be forgiven by you as we confess our need and offer our lives in faith to you. Lord, help us, we pray, to always remember the wonder of your grace and forgiveness for us. And help us, we pray, in our journeys of learning to forgive, both to others and ourselves. If we pray in the name of Jesus, our wonderful Saviour, and we say together, um, as I... Preparing this, I was just very conscious that it was, we're dealing with some pretty deep issues. So if, um, please, if you'd like to, please come and talk to us um, and to God too uh, after the service. Okay, thanks everyone.